who I thought I would minister some uh, today through the teaching phase. Of course, you know, during the ministry phase, God always heals physically. But I thought I'd talk a little bit about the healing of the soul because that is so very important. We all need that. From time to time, uh, a lot of us may not need so much physical healing as others. And when I talk about healing, there's all kinds of levels of dis-ease, discomfort, diagnosis. Um, And sometimes some of us can walk pretty healthy for a long period of time as far as major things are concerned. Everybody has their share of aches and pains. Everybody has their share of uh, things that are just from spiritual wickedness, a fallout of flu or something like that might attack your body and slow you down for a bit, and then you get up and go again. And so different ones of us walk in different levels of physical health, but we all have the need to have our souls healed. And it's uh, good to understand that God is working on that in us every day. Every day, God is sending word that is making us whole. Instead of fragmented people, instead of broken people, instead of people who are in need of um, <clears throat> major things from God, now that we're in the household of faith, God is endeavoring to restore to us what the enemy has stolen, either through um, our sin and disobedience, the sin and disobedience of other people around us who have disappointed us, let us down, maybe not follow through on promises. All of this has damaged the soul of man. Uh, Sin has done great damage to us, uh, to a greater or lesser degree with everybody, but everybody is in need of some type of repair because of iniquity and because of sin that's perpetrated against humanity. And so we need to understand that God is in the business of restoring, refinishing, improving, and getting us back to the place where he created man. You remember on the sixth day when he created Adam, in his image, he looked at him and said that he was very good. And so God wants to bring us back to that very good condition. And most of us come into relationship with God because we're doing not so good. Hmm? I mean, and that's just normal. When you need help, you cry out for a Savior. And so the ones of us who have met God for real have met him generally out of some desperate need for salvation, some desperate need for help. You came up against something that was much bigger than you were. And you needed God to help you and give you a better life. And so God has always heard that cry in our hearts, and he is always responding to that particular heart cry. Even though we may go on in our life with God and start reaching out for other things, you know, once you get what we call spirit-filled or seasoned or mature, you know, then we think we start running the show. You know, get your faith out. Uh, what, what's got God on your plate? What do you call to do? What, what's your vision? What did you get a vision for doing? And see, a lot of times we get involved in the process of walking out 
our salvation, working out our salvation, walking by faith, whatever it is that we feel that we're doing while we're here on the earth. And sometimes we can lose sight of the fact that God is still working on restoring us. See, we're working on, you know, the next prophecy or the the last thing we heard prophesied that's coming down the body of Christ. And God's working on restoring us. For instance, many people in the body of Christ feel that they're working on uh, the wealth transfer. They're getting ready for all this money that's supposed to fall into the hands of God's people. And God's saying, well, you can do that if you want to, but I'm still working on, you know, that broken heart of yours, that disappointed, you know, I'm working on that, see. And so we have to remember that while we're waiting on some things that we think are so important for us, you know, sometimes we can get caught in this trap of the faith contest to see who's got the biggest faith and the most faith and how they're using it and, you know, what you believe in God for. Well, mine is only, you know, 10 feet. Well, mine is 12 feet long. You know, I'm believing God for bigger and better than what you got going on. And we get involved in the work of the manifestation of the things that we think are important to complete our lives. And we forget that God is working on something maybe entirely different that has to do with our inner character, our inner peace. He's working on something that's going to take us a lot further than the wealth transfer will take us. See, we have to understand that that God is doing something in our inner man all of the time. Christ lives in each and every one of us who was born again and spirit-filled, and God has his hand in your spirit all the time, fixing things, arranging things, helping things, strengthening things, pulling junk out. You know, we're all a work in progress. But if we get too focused on that which we think we are believing God for, and we forget about that which is his purpose for us, you understand what I'm saying? His purpose sometimes is obscured by our big prayers and our great faith and our pulling in and pulling down and strongholds and casting out devils and our ministry and all, the, all those things. So if we don't really keep a balance and keep in, in vision, keep in sight that God wants his bride restored. Nobody wants to be married to a crazy woman. Huh? He wants his bride restored. And so we have to really keep that in mind in understanding how to handle how it comes to us on a day-to-day basis. What do we have to deal with every day and how do we deal with it is better dealt with if it's kept in the perspective of what God's working on as well as the things that we desire. He said that he has given us these great and precious promises. Why? So that we would be partakers of his divine nature. It's a hook, y'all. It's a trap. He gives you promises. And as you pray through and you try to attain, you try to be a good girl, a good boy, and walk upright and all this, he's working on you. Huh? He's working on you. So he gives you the promises as the hook to get you involved in the change that he wants to make in you so that you can receive everything that he has for you and you can do it with joy. 
So I was thinking about this scripture in Romans chapter 8. I want you to turn there because I was beginning to understand some things in a different way that God is working in us through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And it is a work of healing and it is a work of restoration. It is a work of restoration. Turn to the person behind you and tell them, don't worry about it, it's all good. Now turn to somebody next to you and say, don't worry about it, it's all good. (laughs) Amen. It's all good. In Romans 8, (laughs) chapter 26, it's all good. See? says this, says, likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. So even that prayer, the biggie you got on the altar, that if you bust that one wide open, you know, everybody going to rejoice through a party and you're just going to get over in the Spirit. Uh, even your best prayer for that, you ain't praying as you ought. Even your most knowledge about the scriptures and your greatest revelation, you still probably are not praying for that as you ought to. So the Spirit has to help your weaknesses even when you know what you want and you know how you want it. You know if you want it fried, roasted, huh, baked, with sauce, without sauce, sauce on the side, slice of bread, huh? <laughs> You want a full dinner? You want a po' boy? What you want? You think you know exactly how you want this thing, and you still don't know how you ought to pray. So even your best shot at it, and your greatest expectation is going to just be a little bit off anyhow. So the Holy Spirit has to help your weaknesses. So here we're sitting, and this is how people can be waiting on things and miss it. Huh? You got your ticket. It tells you what gate your plane is leaving from, how many seats on your plane, your seat assignment and everything, and you on time, and you still miss the plane. How'd that happen? Huh? It's because the Spirit himself has taken that prayer that you half want and half don't, Huh? When you're in a good mood, you want it more than you do when you're in a bad mood. Huh? If it walked in the door tomorrow, you'd probably, you know, <laughs> is this what God sent me? Yeah, it couldn't be God right there. And so the Spirit has already helped your weakness in praying for that. <laughs> and he does it in a way... I think that's real interesting. The Bible says groanings that can't even be uttered. I mean, you ain't even participated this much in it. See, we always think it's praying in tongues, don't we? If it meant tongues, it would say tongues. So while you think you know what you're waiting on and what you prayed for, 
the Holy Spirit has groaned through in the realm of the Spirit things that cannot even be uttered by you. You mean to tell me God's praying and I don't, oh yes, honey, you don't know a thing about it. That's why it's all good. Huh? The fact that you ain't messed with it means it's all good. Huh? Huh? Because it says here, he helps our infirmities, our weaknesses. You know what a weakness? Lack of knowledge, lack of understanding, lack of study. Lack of experience with God. You name it, we've got all of it. Who can know the mind of God? Huh? Now we have the mind of Christ whereby we can receive revelation from God. But we don't walk in that all the time. If we did, none of us would be sitting here. You understand what I'm saying? It says here, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us, not with us and not through us, but for us on our behalf, with groanings which cannot be uttered. In other words, this is a kind of expression that we cannot do. We need that much help, honey. For us, those of us who are standing on the word. Big women and men are spaced in flower, you know, faith and power. Who got all the I's dotted and all the T's crossed and do everything right. Even us have weaknesses. And so the Holy Ghost is there to help that. Yep. Because a lot of our desires, I hate to tell you this, but the devil helps with some of that stuff. Huh? I know if I sit around and think long enough, I'd be married to P. Diddy. <laughs> Just let me get in the charge account. Ten minutes. Had a boy wiped out. <laughs> I got tricks he don't know about. I pray in tongues. Okay. You let me be Miss P. Diddy for ten minutes and see what I want to do. Uh-huh. <laughs> so we get helped out a lot, folks, with our wants, with our desires. Huh? You can be sitting and look at your budget and think of a car that you can afford, and by the time you get on the telephone, you'd have called the Porsche people. Huh? I, you know, I just did, really did. I'm just thinking I might be able to stretch it a few more dollars and get me one of these. Huh? So, see, the Holy Spirit must help our weaknesses. And he has groanings that we can't utter. Why? So we don't understand it. We can't mess it up. All we can do is have the proper spiritual response to it when it comes in. Because it came out of you, God will see to it that you recognize it. Huh? Even though it might be a marvel and a wonder to you, you might stand and stare at it for three, four days when it walks in that door. But you know God sent it because you get a witness in your spirit that it is the moving of God. And see, that's as much. So that's why it's all good. 
Because the Holy Spirit puts the good into it with the way that he prays for it, the way that he watches over it, the work that he does on the inside of you so you can anticipate and expect it right. Huh? So we know this. It says here, he makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searches the heart knows what is the mind of the Spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God the Father. I have another translation here. It says, and the Father knows all, uh, the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. So the Father takes our want list, crazy as it is, they said, now let me interpret this in spiritual language, see what this girl really asking for up in here. Huh? And the Father reads your heart, the part of it that he has in contact with. He sees what you are believing for in the word, or he sees what you're desiring, what it is that you want. So he reads the intent and the desire of your heart a lot more correctly than you do. Because by the time you get finished with it, huh, it's too big for your garage, huh, too much money for your budget. It's all those things. And so the Father has to read your heart and tell the Holy Spirit to press this through for this one. This is what she really wants. This is what she's trying to say right here. This is what he's really asking. This is what he really desires. And so the Holy Spirit then will make intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. And it says, the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. He knows what the Spirit is saying. And the Spirit will only plead for us according to the will of God. Verse 28 says, And then, because we are connected to the Spirit and the Father, and they do this irrespective of what we ask them to do. This is something they do on their own as their normal interpretation of things that you want and things that you desire. Just like as a parent, you understand what your children like and what they don't like and what they ask for and what they don't ask for. So you can make a determination from what you know about your own child, and you can say, well, if we give him a surprise birthday party, let's do it this way. Or don't get out with no surprise party. He just go off on everybody. He don't like surprises. You understand what I'm saying? So as a parent, you understand how to read that person's heart and know what kind of reaction or response they might have to a situation that goes on or a particular thing that they're asking for. And he says, and this is how we know that all things work together for good to them that, number one, love God. There's got to be the element of reverence, respect, and obedience to God before you can know that it's all good. You've got to know your heart and know that you love God. 
that you, your endeavor every day is to obey God, to love humanity, to, to do what God tells you to do in all things. Put him first and put everything and everybody else second to God and allow God to move freely in your life. This is for people who have no restriction on what they'll allow God to lead them into and do. So, you know, everybody who's born again can't say it's all good. Because there are some people who, who severely restrict God. They severely limit God. So God will take the initiative in reading your heart and telling the Spirit how to pray for you if you and him is like that. See, I know her. She'll do whatever I tell her to do. It doesn't matter what time I tell her to get up and pray. she get up and pray. Who I tell her to give her best dress to, she give her best dress to him. I, see, and see, this is a privilege that belongs to those people. That they can get in there with a goofed up prayer, with some flesh in it, with crazy stuff mixed up in it, doing the best they can, and then God will fix it up and say it's all good. Huh? Because this one loves me, this one will do, I know this one, this one will do what I tell her to do. I don't care who don't like it, I don't care what they say about her down there, and I don't care who tries to stop it. This one I can count on. And he says, they are the called according to his, 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 remember purpose? It was a wave going through the body of Christ a few years ago. If you're smart, you'll catch on to the part of it that comes from God. Ninety percent of it's usually man, but it's probably ten percent in there that's God. And you've got to be every day that you get up functioning in your What did God put you here for? Huh? You just spiritual window dresser? Hmm? A walking t-shirt rack? Huh? What's your purpose? You've got to be daily doing that. Your purpose is not the secular job that you're in. Huh? You could pick one of a dozen and be just as content or discontent in any of them. So really, this privilege that God takes it and he says, oh, I don't worry about her. It's all good. I'll fix that up for her. I'll fix that up for him. That's for people who are every day in God's face, every day seeking God, every day submitting to what God wants them to do. No fight back. Huh? No, well, I know God wants this or I know it. No, this is for people who just, hey, God, I trust you. Where do you want me to go? What, what's on your agenda today? I don't have no plans. There's nothing I'd rather be doing. There's nothing I love so dearly that I can't pause and find out how you want me to work my day today. What is it, God? What is it? So this privilege that he invites us into are for the called according to his purpose. People who don't fight God and don't have their own little plans and own little agenda and stuff they want to do. And, oh, God, better not ask me to do nothing like that, honey. You just see how I act up. Huh? I don't know about some of these people, some of the stuff they say God telling them to do. I sure wouldn't do it. 
Well, be careful what you say you won't do that you see somebody else doing in the service to the Lord. Be very careful. Because that right there shows self-will, self-indulgence. You don't even, you're not predestined, you're not called, you're not really in the elect of God. You can be, but you're holding something back. So this is God's, I don't hold anything back from you, so you can't hold anything back from me to qualify for it. And he says that if you're the called according to his purpose, you've laid down everything else, and it's God, whatever you want. If you don't want me to do nothing today, I don't do nothing. You don't want me to go to the mall? Okay, hey, I wouldn't go in there no way. I just think about it. You understand what I'm saying? Whatever, God. Pass out tracks on the corner looks stupid to some people. Hey, I'm all for it, Lord. Whatever. This is for the people who are the called according to his purpose. And then you can say, God has taken my good prayers, my bad prayers, my messed up, my laziness, my don't want to do this. And he says it's all good. He's working it some kind of way, and he can say it's all good. Because when you trust God and you don't hold anything back from him, he won't hold anything. He'll pull out the best china, the best silverware, you know, the stuff you really don't want nobody drinking out of, let alone they might drop it and break it, stuff. Huh? He brings that out for those people. Those people have no restriction on what they will allow God to do with them and seek for God to trust them with more and more things. And there's a reason for why God says it's all good with people like that. So it says they are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to do what? Be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So really, you praying for things or praying for blessings is just a minor thing for God. That's a side. That, that is a, a benefit of serving God, but really, he has predestined you to be like Jesus. That's your primary function in this life is to be conformed to the image of his son. Why? He got a family to complete. The Bible says he wants to bring many sons and daughters to himself. It said so that Jesus could be the firstborn of how many brethren? A whole bunch of them. As many as God's household will allow. So everything that we do to increase the household of God is all good. If we're involved in this, this predestined and ordained life of calling many sons and daughters into the family of God, then that helps to keep us according to our purpose. That is part of your purpose. The greater part, though, is that you are predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. So while you're waiting on whatever it is that you think you're waiting on is taking too long to get here, it's all good because he's conforming you to his image. Don't ever be ashamed that 
God hasn't answered your prayer yet. Don't ever be concerned that you messed up so bad that he's not going to give it to you now. Don't ever think that, that you're so rotten and you're so messed up and you didn't walk away from, you know, where, because he's conforming you to his image. I don't care how long it takes and I don't care. It's all good. You see, what makes it good is you're being shaped like Christ. And the promise he's got you working on is just a hook to get you on the line so he can gut you, scale you, fillet you, whatever needs to be done, mincemeat you. Huh? Because he wants many people in his family. Jesus is predestined to be the firstborn of many brethren. How many? More than the Jehovah Witnesses believe there are. Many. As many as his household hold. That's many, honey. We can reel them in all day long as far as God's concerned. Because everybody who is called is predestined to conform to his image. So don't be ashamed. You got fired from your last job? Get fired from the next 15. Don't be ashamed because you're, it's all good. Because you're being conformed to his image. That's never going to stop. You understand what I'm saying? God never stops working in us. He never stops completing us. He never stops allowing us to be formed some more. Maybe you didn't say at that last job till you got formed enough. Get into the next one and get formed a little bit more. Get in the next situation and get formed a little bit more. It's all good. Why? Because you're being conformed to the image of Christ. And that is the most important thing that will ever happen to you in your life. Wealth transfer, you're going to leave that money here. I guarantee you, you're going to leave it here. They can have those things come and go. All of faith confession fads. And everybody's called to a ministry that they never do. If you never have your name up in lights, it's all good. Why? Because you're conforming to his image. You love him. You obey him. You do what he tells you to do the best way you know how. You'll get this kind of treatment from God. He'll say, okay, messed up again. Here we go. Huh? According to man's standard, a big loser. But as long as I'm in them, they got the spirit of Christ in them, I'm working it out for their good, they're conforming to my image, they're a winner, it's all good, nobody can take that away from you. Because you are being conformed to the image of Christ. Huh. We look like everything in the process, don't we? Huh? Sometimes we on top of the mountain. <laughs> Sometimes we valley girls. Huh? <laughs> and I'm talking about the guys too. <laughs> but we are being conformed to his image. And that's the most important thing. That is more important than your physical healing. Hey, you might not get all them legs straightened out. You might not get all them wrinkles out of your face if that's what you believe in God for. You may not be able to get off the pills. But you are being conformed to his image. What's happening to you on the inside is a whole lot more important than what's happening to you on the outside. Much more important. And see, I believe that we need to press in until we get whatever it is 
that's already paid for in Christ. I don't believe in leaving the devil with your healing, and I don't believe in leaving him with your money. I don't even want him to have your toenails clippings that you clip off. But I'm telling you, if you don't get all that right, if you don't get to understand all the ins and outs of the faith confession and how to make the right confession and don't make the wrong confession and do this right, do that, at least you're in the game. If you love God, you're predestined to be conformed to his image and it's all good. Why? Because he's working more on the inside of you than he's working on the outside of you. Sometimes on the way to the outside promise, you find out you're more interested on the inside than you are the outside. That'll blow your little carnal mind. When you get more concerned about conforming to the image of Christ and being outfitted for what God wants you to have and lay aside your bling bling and your 20s on your Escalade, you might leave that Escalade here, but I'm going to tell you one thing. If you've got God first in your heart and you're working on your purpose here on earth, It'll dawn on you one day that you don't need a, it ain't no garage door in heaven to get it. You don't press the buzzer in the car and get in there like that. You're absent from the body one minute, present to the Lord the next. You may not get to drive over there. And see, one day it'll dawn on you those things. Why? Because you're being conformed to the image of Christ. What did Jesus say? He said, my kingdom ain't even of this world. What are y'all trying to get me to get concerned about myself for? My kingdom is not of this world anyway. I'm from another planet totally, honey. And could care less about this stuff down here that y'all are doing. I'm just passing through. And so you know everything's working together for your good. You get your mind off of what you lack. What you're waiting on God to give you. Huh? Showing all the neighbors you was right after all. You know? I mean, we all got a little bit of that working in us. Oh, boy. You wait till the biggie come in and I'll show everybody who laughed at me. Honey, by the time it gets in you, you be so whipped through and conform to his image. You think Jesus was glad everybody knew how messed up they were? Huh? And so God is telling us. He's working it out for your good. If you trust him totally, you won't kick at the pricks. You won't fight him when he's trying to nail you down and pin you down and yank stuff out of you. You'll go through whatever you need to go through. you go through whatever humiliation you need to go through and keep stepping in there and keep leading people to Christ and keep helping people, keep praying for people, keep taking prayer cloths. Huh? They never use them, but you keep giving them out anyway. You give out tapes, you spend your own money on them and buy them, and people don't even listen to them. You keep doing that. Huh? It's working for you. I'm telling you, it's working for your good. Everything that you do that you would want to feel ashamed of and embarrassed of because you don't think it's up to the spiritual standard of the religious crowd you run with, sometimes it's just a religious thought in your mind. That you feel like you got to measure up to. But if you will allow God to just, God, what do you want to do today? Yeah, I've been checked in with you and just told you I'm just leaving the day open, whatever. 
Let's, let's read the word. Let's listen to tapes. What, whatever. I'm being conformed to the image of Christ. And sometimes we get a slow start a little bit. You know, sometimes we might have to do the same lesson over and over again. I remember when I was in the first grade and I, <clears throat> and I was supposed to be right. And they used to have, you ever see those word pictures? I mean, the pictures that, it's four scenes in a story. You're supposed to cut them out, put them in. I could never figure that stuff out. And I remember sitting there, they made you color it first. And then you had to paste it in order. And I'm just ripping it off and repasting it. She keeps it around and ripping it off and repasting it. Sometimes your life as a believer is like that. It's the same thing you're trying to get it straight for the umpteen time. You rip it off and repaste it. It didn't even look like itself. I don't know how she told if it were right or not. I don't think I ever got it right. She just let me go home. <laughs> But sometimes your life in the spirit is like that. You just keep, well, how did I get right back here again, God? I thought I was doing pretty good, and, you know, and uh, 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 here I am right back here again. Well, he says it's all good. It really is. Because he has a way, if he's got your total heart, and you don't love anything more than Jesus, and there isn't anything you'd rather do, your joy is in doing whatever, not, no matter how small. You know, I was looking at Bianca. She just wants to do something. She wants to help. And you give her stuff to take to the garbage, and she just takes it. And That's what we got to be like in here. Jesus, whatever. I mean, if it's just redundant, taking the same piece of tissue over to the wastebasket, because nobody knows what else to do with you but give you little things to do. If that's all I can do for you, Lord, I'm willing to do that. Just whatever. And if he's got your heart like that, the Bible says that the Spirit himself helps your weaknesses. Not everybody has the Spirit's help like that. Because there are many people who think they're serving God and it ain't all good. And it's not going to work for them either. Because they've got one thought in God and one thought in what they're going to do next for them. They've got one thought in self-promotion and one thought in how they're going to get their ministry started and how they're going to get on TV and how they're going to do and how they're going to do all these things. And so if we have it all together like that, God says that you can know. He says, we know. There's a knowing in the believer who is totally sold out to God, that even though you mess up, you know on the inside of you that you have not totally blown it. You know how? Because you keep coming back to see what God wants you to do. You keep coming back to want to serve God. You keep putting your foot in the door. You keep wanting to, you keep at it. And that's how you know you're in that elect group. Because you never let it stop you, what they say about you, you can be in a million places where you don't measure up. But there's a knowing on the inside of you that you haven't blown it totally with God. There's just a knowing somewhere. There's a knowing that you can still pray for certain things that seem hopeless in your life. There's a knowing somewhere on the inside of you. God, I've done my best. I've given you everything I've got. I haven't held anything back. 
What do you think God's going to do with people who don't hold anything? He's going to give you everything. And he'll come up to you in your lowest point and say, don't worry, it's all good. I see your heart. I see you doing the best you can do for me. Even though it don't look like much to the powers that it don't look like much to anybody. I see you doing your best for me. And I'm going to work this out for you. You're going to see. It's going to work out together for your good. Everything rotten that happens to you in your life, if you'll give everything to the Lord, it'll work out together for you, for your good, for your good. So your goal, verse 29, is conforming to his image. Your goal is not the answer to your prayer. It's just not. Your goal is conforming to his image. You must be called to a divine purpose if the Holy Spirit is going to spend his time interceding and praying for you and pushing things through for you that you know it's all good. The most important part of this for you is that you do your part. And your part is not sitting waiting for your major prayers to be answered. When you conform to the image of Christ, that is your healing. Because you're made whole then. When people touched Jesus, he felt something leave him and go into them, and it didn't come back again. Huh? That was part of him that went into those people, and they were more conformed to the image of Christ than they were before they touched him. As we reach out to God for healing, conforming to his image is a big part of healing. That is what heals us. Being changed into his image is also healing. And I don't mean trying to be a Christian. I mean just living for God and being changed. And let that change speak for itself. This is nothing that a human being can even touch or try to do. This is something you'll blow if you try to do it yourself. But as you are being changed, you are being healed. God's goal is to have as many people in this earth conform to the image of his son. His goal is that Jesus would be the firstborn of many. So that his dying would not be in vain. So that the devil doesn't get the last laugh on God. That God gets the laugh on the devil as people, just ordinary people, reach out to him for necessary things. They find that when they pull their hand back with whatever it is they've been asking for, that they're changed. They are changed by that contact with God. And they're changed forever. So this only happens to the called who love him and are seeking to please him. Pleasing God is also healing. You see if you don't feel better about your relationship with people when you know you please them. So when we please God, that also brings about healing. When we walk with God through meditating the Word, communing with God, 
just staying open to hear what he has to say, that's healing. It's light and it's healing to us. So it doesn't matter what happens to you along the way. As long as you're being changed, you're being healed, and it's all working together for your good. In verse 30, so it went uh, 829, whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. So that's already a set role for you. You are already predestined. That's your, that's your goal, really. You can have a lot of fun along the way, a lot of blessings along the way. But don't let us lose sight of a goal. Because sometimes on the way to a blessing, if we have to wait for it or we're disappointed in it in any way, we forget that we're being conformed to his image. And some of the things that we go through, we wonder, can any good thing come out of this? Now, God, is this necessary? Well, God, I know you wouldn't let this happen to me. Huh? And there we are right back again, the same soup. Huh? And what can you do? You're not going to go anywhere, even though you want to feel like you have the option of doing it. Do me something different sometimes. Why, I got to be the one, be obedient all the time. Got to apologize to everybody, send somebody flowers, they ain't never send me no flowers. But you know you're going to send them flowers, don't you? You're going to do whatever he tells them. And you know it's going to work for your good. If you didn't have that knowing in you, you wouldn't do it. So there is a knowing on the inside of you. When you're called and you're predestined to conform to his image, you can have the worst of junk happen to you and still keep serving God. The people who are going to quit serving him quit over, you know, a late paycheck, honey. I mean, if you survived, you know, the minor tragedies of life that Christians quit going to church, people who are not predestined quit the first person that looks funny at them when they come to church. You never see them anymore. Or they hop from place. Those people are, you know, they are predestined to be hockey pucks. All they just get batted from one church to the next church to the next church. They're offense magnets. They're set up by the devil to be losers. But see, once you survive that, (laughs) you know, the bad treatment from the brethren, false brethren, religious spirits, if they don't kill you right out the bat, and you decide serving Jesus is worth it, I'm just going to hang right here and forgive them, Lord, and just keep loving them, and huh? then you know it's going to work. It's all good. Why? Because you know you're being conformed to the image of Christ. you got enough sense to read your Bible and see when they plucked out his beard and said, prophesy, tell us who did it. Huh? You're getting a little touch of that. Nobody's ever spit on my face because of a prophecy. But they did that to him. And so you know when you get touched with these kinds of persecution you know that you're being conformed to his image. And you know you better hang in there because there's nothing else for you now. 
Were you going to get off the potter's wheel for it in this shape? Huh? You can't even stand up like this. So you might as well drag yourself back in there and see what else is going to happen. And so when God begins to, to work with us this way, it is because we're, he's called you, he's already predestined you to conform to the image of his son. And you're going to stay on the wheel whether you, I ain't putting myself on, you don't have to put yourself on the wheel, honey. <laughs> this ain't got nothing to do with you wanting. <sighs> Let me find my Bible again. What is that? Verse 20, for whom he did foreknow, in other words, you ain't news to him. I know you think you just breezed in and got saved and you're the answer to everybody's dilemma. But God foreknew you. And he called you anyway. He says he also did predestinate, 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 predestinate. So you're predestined to get on the wheel anytime he thinks you need a little ride on there. I mean, what you going to do? You're predestined to take your time to have your time on the potter's wheel. Moreover, <laughs> whom he did predestinate, them he also called. By what name are you called by God? Well, now think about it. Y'all got some roles y'all be playing. Huh? Wife, mother, secretary. Huh? Well, he called you all and you predestinated to conform to all of them. Oh. I thought I just called to be a prophet. Oh, honey, before you prophesy to anything, before you prophesy to your shoelaces, sweetheart, you're going to have to be called wife, mother, or something in a normal, everyday role. Yes. Amen. What you think, prophets just sit on a shelf and, at home until they take them down and tell them to hunt? No, honey. You clean the house, you wash dishes, you take care of folk, you do all that stuff. So he called you all of them. And he expects you to be conformed to all of them. With excellence, with his approval. So you can't skip over any of these roles God has predestined you to, or it ain't all good. You're going to feel the bad of it. You're going to feel some kind of conviction. You're going to feel some kind of dis-ease, unrest, not too healthy, not too cool, until you conform to all of it. So he called you, whom he called, he also justified. So you think you can't be a good wife and cook meals? Oh, honey, you justified already. You know what that means? You can. Oh, see, now I just ain't that kind of woman. See, I'm, I'm a, a, a millennial kind of kind of woman. See, we this new millennium. We can't, you know, we're in the computer age and stuff. We can't be washing socks and. You know, putting mating up socks and finding all these lost socks and stuff like that. I mean, you know. 
I'll go out and maybe hit me another five hours and, and buy the brother all new wardrobe. You know, hey, I'm a millennium woman. Being justified means you can do it. Huh? Being justified means you can't quit on anything. Huh? Because you get another chance. Oh, I know. You're going to mess it up so bad, God going to quit bugging you about it. <laughs> he ain't your mama. He ain't your daddy either. He's G-O-D. Period. And if he justified you, that means you just better get in there and do it again. But he's not going to quit until you conform to the image of everything he has called you to be. Huh? See, I had to get my kitchen straight long before I got a chance to get out. It was a treat for me to get out and beat up witches at a Bible study. Because I was on lockdown in the housework until I got it all done. I got it all done efficiently. Huh? And then he eased up a little bit. But when I was, before I was saved and I was in the world working, I had somebody to clean the house all the time. I didn't think about cleaning that house. Child, I was thinking about (laughs) working on what I was working on. And see, but even then I was already predestined to conform to the image of his son. And he had to get that, I don't do that, out of me. Right now, honey, I do it all. Whatever, I am justified. That means that I don't have to make excuses for what I can't do. I am justified, honey. I mess it up, I get up and get another chance and keep doing it until I get it right. That's what justification means. It means you have no excuse. You don't need an excuse because you're going to accomplish this, baby. If it kills me and kills you too, you're going to get it right. Why? You already predestined. He already said, you are it. He's already calling you that. So how are you going to, I can't do it. Uh-uh, you going to do it. Huh? Come up here with another excuse. Mess it up again. you still going to do it. Why? He's not a man that he should lie. He already called you justified and predestined. So what are you going to do? You're going to hang in there and do it again. And be glad for a second and a third chance. Till you get it right. Till you get it right. Till you do it according to his standards. Huh? And he says, whom he justified, he also what? Glorified. That means you go do it right. Because that's the only way he gets glory is you do, you perform it and perfect it. You walk in the call. He calls you a, a good mother, a good housewife. Oh, yeah, you're going to do all that. You're going to get it right. Well, you know the kids is grown now. They out the house. Oh, wait till they come back and bring the grandkids with them. Oh, yeah. They're your glorification. Huh? You're going to do it right and also get a star beside your name and a crown for it. That's what being glorified is. Huh? If you glorify it in something, you do it to its highest level. 
No holes barred, no holding back. Oh, you think this is, oh no, this is not a kingdom for sluggards and people who just slough off. Now, this is the real excellence we're talking about here. I don't know about what all them people talk about excellence in their churches and no poor people in there and nice carpet and stuff. We're talking about the excellence that you had to suck carpet to get there. You got more fibers in your lungs and on your clothes than you got anywhere else. Huh? Huh? Oh, he's going to make you keep at it. Oh, listen, honey, he already, he's calling you that every day. And he's calling you that in your justified and glorified condition. So that's why you've got to hang in there and be conformed to his image. So just get you back on the wheel. I'll spin it till you get dizzy. Turn you the other way so you get undizzy. But you back on the wheel, baby. Huh? Conforming. Conforming. He says, well, what shall we say then all these things? <laughs> what can we say? Listen, it's better to keep God on your side than to have all your little prayers answered. Huh? Because if God is for you, then you, have a, you live a life of total trust of everything because there's no enemy that's standing against you. See, the devil is not a big factor in this kind of life. Why? Because anything that's against you will be crushed by your walk with God and by your purpose and your walking in your purpose and your anointing. So you can walk in a high level of authority in God. The Bible says that a just king scatters evil with his eyes. Huh? You ever seen some of these, these dads y'all think is Vietnam crazy men and... Huh? But they kept them kids from taking the house over when they was them little commando terrorists. Y'all got running around there calling them nice, nice. <laughs> Call them nice boys. Because daddy had a way of sitting there eating his dinner and act like he wasn't listening to nothing. They said something stupid. He lift his head up and, and they got straight real quick and sober and didn't talk stupid no more. Uh-huh. Well, the Bible says a just king scatters evil with his eyes. In other words, you don't have to get up and run rings about around nothing and holler and shout and scream at the devil. You can just take your authority and begin to walk in it sometimes. Now, I'm not saying don't speak to him because he, you know, (laughs) you do that. But there is a level of authority that you can walk in because of your conformity on the inside to the Spirit of Christ. Because of what he's put in you. You're so much like Christ. Demons tremble when you walk in the town. When you start casting devils out of people, preachers ask you not to come back no more. Huh? That's just the truth. Because you are conforming to his glorious image. So if God is for you, it's good to keep God on your side. The most important thing is staying in there and continuing to let God work so you can conform more and more. That pleases him. Don't do anything to jump out of the fire. Huh? Because whoever tried to put you in there is burned seven times hotter than you are. So already just them pushing you in the test is, is burnt them. So you don't even have any adversaries. 
Why people are concerned about who don't like them and who's talking about them and what they're doing behind their back is more than I can figure. If God's got your back, why are you worried about who's, who's behind it and what they're doing? It says, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? All things come with the image of Christ. All things come with your conformity. He's with you in this, honey, because he lives inside of you. And he's just pulling you by your arm and says, shape up. Come on with me. Come on. Come on this way. Now, don't, don't fight. This is all right. It's all good. Come on, walk this way with me. Why? Because if you've got Christ, honey, you've got everything. You just need to know how to cooperate with him and draw from it. Because you may not look like the big spiritual mucky muck you think you are all the time. Huh? But he's with you. Let him lead you. You're conforming to his. That is the most important thing you will ever have to do in your life. Is conform to what he is. Be like he would be in the world. And it says, <clears throat> verse 33. Three, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Who's going to charge something to your bill in God? Huh? They can say you don't treat people right. They can say you're nasty, mean, and all kind of stuff they want to say. Huh? Y'all have said that about me forever and still say it. I don't. You think I care? You think I'm coming out of my conformity for some people who think I ought to be nice and play their game? I come down and play your game, I'd be just as crazy as you are. I ain't coming now. Honey, I'm being conformed and I'm moving on. Oh? Is it true? Even sometimes people who really love you and trust you watch you. You understand what I'm saying? They just People just do that stuff. And you think I'm going to be moved by that? No, honey. I'm finding Jesus as fast as I can. Running after him as furious as I can. Because I'm in line for conforming more to his glorious image. Because he's already called me what he wants me to be. And I'm on my way there. I don't care about anybody. I'll put you out of my house if you come over there tonight before I have to preach. So help me, I will put you out. Most of y'all know that. <laughs> y'all don't even come to my house, but you know what I'm saying. I don't care what y'all think. I'm a woman on a mission. And you cannot lay a charge against me. Why? Because God's already justified me. He said you mess up and cut them folks out because they get on your nerves. Repent, it's all good. Huh? And don't quit conforming. Don't quit allowing me to shape you. Don't quit and walk away from this because of people pressure. My goodness. He says it's God that justifies you. You got a complaint with a saint? Take it up with him. Huh? You think certain people shouldn't be preaching because they didn't take it up with him? You cannot lay a charge to God's elect. Why? Because the ones that are messed up are being conformed the most. Huh? They need to be reshaped. So we can't accuse one another in God's house. 
It says, who is he that condemns? It's Christ that died. Who can you condemn? You can't save nobody. You can't condemn nobody. All you can do is talk about folks. Huh? You can't condemn anybody. They stand or, or fall before God. So all we doing down here is making a bunch of noise that doesn't amount to anything. Said it is Christ who died, yea, rather that's risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. So you got the Father reading the intent of your heart, even though you messed up totally. Huh? Everybody's disappointed in you, looking at y'all funny, he you done messed up again. Huh? And God's the one who justifies you. So nobody can lay a charge against you because your life is here with Christ and God. They don't know anything about what God knows about you, in other words. They don't know your heart. If your heart is messed up, you're in the race anyway. Get in there and get it straightened out the way it's supposed to be. It says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, persecution or negative. See, this is about keeping you close to God, keeping you obedient to God, keeping you in the love of God. This is about nothing else but that. And all of these persecutions and people talking about you, and you ain't the kind of Christian you need to be. And how could God use her? And she just, you know, with them blue fingernails. Now she'd have messed up with that. Yes, you have her. I wish you'd cut them old nails off. Yeah, huh? Well, it makes no difference to God if I paint my teeth blue tomorrow. As long as I come in here and preach and God shows up, then nobody can lay a charge against that. It's God who's doing that working on the inside of me. And it says here, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? All of these things that happen to us, folks, are called to separate us from God. Called to make us give up on our predestination. Called to make us quit right in the midst of being conformed. Called to make you jump off the wheel and not jump back on. If you jump off the wheel, i got news for you. There's always the fire there that you can land in. You don't know where you're leaping off till you jump off that. But all of these things are called to separate you from the love of God. Make you walk off from serving God, forget you were ever a Christian, say it's not worth it anymore. God didn't answer that prayer anyway. I waited for umpteen years for that no good, no count, no praying, no gray head, negative, <laughs> in a wheelchair by now. They come limping back in here and God didn't do it. So I'm quitting. Just the point you want to quit. The next turn in your conforming image. And yeah, you got some ways to go. You may not get the goodie the next time you get on the wheel. But you'll be closer than you were the last time. You'll be somewhat closer than you were the last time. He said, what shall separate us? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine never have enough money for anything? Shock you to people quit serving God because the wealth transfer ain't come to them yet. Or nakedness or peril or the sword. 
as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. So while you're receiving your promises, you're dying every day. Something else that God can't use is being killed off in you. Huh? That's why you can't quit. You've got the sneaking suspicion something wonderful is about to happen in your life at some point. Huh? We're accounted as sheep for the slaughter. He says, no, these things won't separate us. He says, even, even a better thought is, in all these things, we're more than conquerors. See, people in the world can conquer things. They can conquer famine. They just, you know, rich people get as much food as they want. Nakedness, there's people who never experience that. Sometimes friends turn on them, they just get in a different circle of friends. Narrow the circle down to maybe a couple of real good people. So you can conquer in the natural. But Jesus makes, he makes a difference. To, he says we are, what could be more than conquering? What could be more than getting your victory? What could be more than getting your answer to conforming to his image while you're in the process of getting the goodies? <laughs> Turning out more like Christ on the inside? Where you went through the fire, you come out... Hmm? Odie barbecue. Just smell like you've been in a rib joint, that's all. You don't smell like you've been in no real fire. Don't even smell like smoke. Don't have a trace of what you went in there for on you. Came out like pure gold. You so different you don't even know yourself. You don't wonder, you wonder why the people that used to send you up the wall don't send you off no more. Huh? You can go in and be pleasant to people and mean it. Huh? You can endure. Get your cheek slapped and turn the other one. Let them slap that again and say, I need a facelift. Huh? Just getting a little tightening up there. That's all. You're being conformed to his image. That's what makes you more than a conqueror. You're coming out changed. You're coming out with something glorious. You're coming out with something you didn't have before. See, everybody can go through and come out. But what do they come out with is the question. They come out with more patience, more love, or do they come out bitter? You know, when you smell a smoke, you come out bitter. As long as you got a little dross, a little bitter dross on you, you got to go back in the fire again. And you got to stay in there until you are more than a conqueror. You're also predestined to be more than a conqueror. That is what you are called to walk in, being more than that, than what the world could do for you. He says, and I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities, that's your spiritual authority, folks. Nothing's going to stop you. I don't care if they kick you out of every church they ever had. And that might be how you go home to be with the Lord, just getting kicked out of places. 
Did you conform to his image during the kicking process? Who's more Christ-like, the ones that rejected and turned on you or you? Who's more conformed to the... Who's further ahead in their predestination? The people who are doing things to you or you? So it's a choice you make when you get in there and you start allowing these things to happen. You don't pull yourself out until you're done. And he says, angels, nor principalities, nor things present nor things to come. You're afraid of tomorrow that won't separate you from the love of God. You've got to cling to God even more in your fear. It says, nor height, nor depth, nor any creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, who is in us the hope of glory. So nothing can separate you from the love of God because Christ is in you now. He don't come out for nobody. He don't come out for you. As crazy as we act sometimes, he will never leave us, nor will he forsake us. So he's going to stay there and make you conform, and make you conform, and make you, well, Bob, I don't, I don't know if I agree with all this. I, you know, really, uh, I just didn't really get saved for all this to happen. <laughs> well, who did? Huh? I got saved for the help and the rescue, and the, it was all for me when I got saved. Then I realized there was somebody living in me who was much bigger than me and had a much bigger plan for my life. So I haven't been able to separate myself from him. You know, I feel bad if I feel like I've disappointed God in something, you know. I mean, I, I, I live for making sure that I don't miss a meeting. Because I know that's where my joy and that's where, that's what my purpose is. That's what my call is. I am called to do this for God. And so I make sure that nothing stands in the way of that and want to see what else God would want to do with me. You see what I'm saying? So you have to live like that. You've got to live with him first on your list. You're predestined to conform to his image. And the image of Christ was that he did everything that he saw the Father do. He waited on what the Father would tell him to do, and he carried it out and he executed it. <clears throat> I'm going to read you this Romans 8:28, and, and um, I know what this translation is. I just probably don't have it written down here. It's one of those new versions. But verse starting in verse 26, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our distress, for we don't even know what we should pray for, nor how we should pray. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be firstborn with many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And he gave them right standing with himself. And he promised them his glory. What can we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since God did not spare even his own son but gave him up for us all, won't God who gave us Christ also give us everything else? 
Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? Will God? No, he's the one that's given us the right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? Will Christ Jesus? No, for he is the one who died for us and was raised to life for us and is sitting at the place of highest honor next to God pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity? The trouble that comes in your life, does that mean God doesn't love you anymore? Does it mean that he's putting you through something to teach you a good lesson? It just means that you're going through like everybody else and you're being conformed. And it says, if we have trouble or calamity or persecuted or are hungry or cold or in danger or threatened with death, even the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these overwhelming, all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from his love. Death can't and life can't. Somebody you love dies that won't separate you from the love of God. If angels can't and demons can't. Our fears for today and our worries about tomorrow and even the powers of hell can't keep God's love away. Whether we are high above the sky or in the deepest ocean, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So loving God means trusting in all things that they are working for you. You've got to trust that everything that happens in your life is working together for your good. You've got to believe it's all good, folks. If you can keep that in your mind when you're going through the all bad, just keep saying, listen, it's all good. I'm not going to even worry about what I feel like today or what who did to me and what I don't like, what's going on in my life right now. I'd love to be in a different place than I'm in right now in a lot of areas. But you know what? It's all good because I'm going to stay right in here with God and I'm going to stay conforming to his image. I'm not going to let go because I know he's doing it because he loves me. And that's the highest thing that I can ever have in my life is the love of God. And this stuff, I will not let it separate me from him. I don't have to have it good all the time in order to know God loves me. I can receive my share of difficulties at the hand of God and know that he loves me still and loves me even more because he's going to bring it all out for good. He's going to make it up to me. It's going to be all good one day because he is working it together and mixing it together so that it can come out just good. And he'll do it. He'll do it for each of us. You've got to love him. You've got to trust him. You can't hold anything back. You don't hold anything back from him. He won't hold anything back from you. And you've got to learn how to rejoice and do a yet praise when you don't feel like doing one. Simply because you don't want to be separated from his love. You go around angry. You go around disappointed and sad and upset. You are are allowing these things to separate you from the love of God. And if you're going to make it through and you're going to know You're going to know that you know that you know that it's all good. You've had us knowing. We know that it's working, that all things work. I don't care what it is. Somebody just takes everything that you have. It's all good. Because God will do more than restore you. You will be more than a conqueror. 
you'll come out to the point where you're never afraid of anything again. Worst case scenario happens, it's all good. Why? Because he's going to work it out for you. You know on the inside it's working for you. Only God can take disaster and work it to your good. Work it for you. Simply because he loves you. He doesn't do that for everybody. There are Christians who never recover from a fall. Why? They were never called, never predestined. They never gave everything to God. But if you get hurt while you're giving everything to the Lord, it's all good because he's going to come for that. He's going to vindicate you, and he's going to raise you up. Amen? Praise God. Why don't we stand and pray for a little bit? Let the Lord minister to you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. All things work together.